0: Hi, it's good to be here. It's good to see some familiar faces, to meet some new people. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is John McHale, and I serve as the community groups pastor for Parkview Church. I do a bulk of my work at Central Campus, but um, am on a team, a staff team, that's thinking through, praying through uh, how to support you guys well in ministry and um, to help you strategize the way you're doing community groups, the way you're doing Sunday mornings. And so just hear me when I say we think of you often, um, we love you, and you are on the front of our minds as we meet as a staff, um, and just really, really praying and encouraging um, us to, to really scatter for the sake of mission to North Liberty. We're going to dive right in. We're in Philippians 1, verses 12 to 18. So if you want to turn there, Philippians 1, verses 12 to 18, um, a little bit about the this passage uh, before i read it um, paul is in prison um, which is not an uncommon place for paul to be right we see him often in prison but he's in prison and the philippians are wondering what's up with paul how's he doing what what are we going to do when the leader of our movement is chained to a wall there's something in the back of their minds that's concerned with what is what are we going to do paul's in prison how is the gospel going to go forward? And what Paul does in this letter is he really actually is, is helping them see, actually, this circumstance, my imprisonment, has actually served to advance the gospel. What should have been a movement stopper has actually served to be a movement launcher. And it's a shocking, surprising statement, so let's read it in Philippians 1, starting in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Let me uh, pray and ask God to help us as we go to his word. Uh, Father, we we pause um, to invite you into this moment. We need you. I need you. I pray that you would Just dump your spirit on us. Illuminate our minds to behold your truth more fully. Awaken our hearts to be nourished by your word. And help us to be people who are ready and willing to gladly obey for the sake of Jesus and his mission. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. So, what, what I want us to consider as we look at this passage, what I want to draw out is this, that God uses challenging circumstances to advance the gospel. God is powerful enough to use challenging circumstances to advance the gospel, Yesterday, a year ago yesterday, was a really challenging time for my family. My brother and my sister-in-law, they lost a child at 26 weeks. It was devastating. But God was with them in their pain and in their grief, and it was so evident in the way they responded to it, the way they communicated it, the way they gathered people together to cling to the Lord. And it actually served as an advance to the gospel. God used it for his glory. And maybe some of you have experienced a trial like that. You know what that feels like. But all of us can relate to challenging circumstances. Maybe it's a challenge at work. You have this boss, right? A terrible boss who always seems opposed to you, who's always on your case, Maybe it's a, a coworker that seems to be always kind of on your case, maybe even spreading rumors about you. We can all relate to challenging circumstances. Maybe it's a challenge at home, a marriage that is just consistently struggling. You feel like you take one step forward, 10 steps back. What's the point? Or maybe it's parenting. There's this one kid. That just, you've invested so much time and energy and nothing seems to work. In fact, it feels like maybe your parenting is actually hurting the situation. What Paul is inviting us to, what God's word is inviting us is to rethink our challenging circumstances for the sake of the gospel and to begin to see that God can actually use a challenging circumstances to advance the mission of the gospel. Now, as we begin, I want to just pause for a moment and define gospel. We toss that word out around often. Gospel, 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 gospel. Gospel this, gospel that. What do we mean by that? And the truth is, there are many different ways to define the gospel because the Bible is full of metaphors. It's full of language. But just for the sake of clarity this morning... I want to propose a definition. The gospel is a movement of the Holy Spirit reconciling sinners to God through Jesus and restoring this broken world through God's people. So the gospel is, it's, it's a movement, it's a progress moving forward. And the agent by which it moves forward is God himself, the Holy Spirit, and this movement moves forward as sinners repent and receive forgiveness, as we are reconciled to God through Jesus by faith, but then also it moves forward as God's people engage the mission that God has given them. We see this twofold, this twofold move in Paul's letters. He, he tells people, he, he basically, in the first half of his letters, he's describing oftentimes, this is what happened to you, right? Because sometimes we look at our story and we're like, I don't know what happened, but I'm different. The Holy Spirit has invaded my life. We have been forgiven, justified. Paul talks about this is what actually happened to you, maybe the doctrine of the gospel. But then the rest of his letter is given to, now this is how we ought to live, we are saved, and then we are sent. This is the gospel message. This is the gospel movement, both personal and social. There is forgiveness of sin, and there is an ethic that we must live by. Now, let's look at the the passage just for a few minutes to see how God uses challenging circumstances to advance the gospel in Paul's life, and there's two points. First point is in verses 12 to 14. God uses oppressive authorities to advance the gospel. And the second point is in verses 15 to 18. God uses bad motives to advance the gospel. So oppressive authorities and bad motives. First point, God uses oppressive authorities to advance the gospel. Look at verse 12. Paul says something that would have shocked the Philippians. He says, I want you to know brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really actually served to advance the gospel. What what we all would have expected to be a movement stopper actually served as a movement launcher. Now, what has happened to Paul? Paul was in Jerusalem, and he was causing a ruckus because he wouldn't shut up about Jesus. Jesus "Jesus said, like, won't you just shut up, Paul? He could not stop preaching Jesus. He was compelled to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And the Jewish leaders didn't like that. People were frustrated with him and causing a stir. And so the Romans said, hey, we need to silence this guy. We need to squash this because he's going to disrupt the peace and order that we're supposed to keep here. And so they chained Paul to a wall. They put him in prison to quiet him. To silence him but what we find is that paul was imprisoned to suppress the gospel but it actually served for its advancement and in verses 13 and 14 paul tells us why he can make this claim he says so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for christ And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word with fear. So this whole imperial guard, this is a reference to the personal security, the personal bodyguards of the emperor. Think secret service to the president. This is a group of people that Paul never would have had access to had he not been in prison. And he says, look, I have an opportunity to make Jesus known to the imperial guard, this elite group that I never would have had, had access to, and all the rest. He said, everybody know the buzz is that I'm in jail about Jesus. And you know what? That means that people are talking about Jesus, and that's awesome. But also, he says, this has actually encouraged the Christians in Rome It served to embolden the Christians in Rome to speak the word of the gospel without fear. God uses oppressive authorities to advance the gospel. Now, there's a technique in martial arts called judo. I think it's actually like a form of martial arts. Maybe you've seen, if you watch kung fu movies, you've seen a judo technique. What judo is, is... It's a technique in martial arts that uses the strength and size of, an, of your opponent against them. So, you know, you might have seen in those movies where, like, the, the kung fu master, the, the, this big dude comes and, like, punches him, and he just throws him to the ground like, nothing. And judo, what it does is it allows a person to maintain uh, strength and focus and energy by still defeating its opponent. And this is exactly what's happening in the passage. Paul is standing before Rome, who is much bigger and stronger than Paul, who we'd expect, Paul's going to get squashed by Rome. But what actually happens is through the power of God, Paul goes judo on him and uses this imprisonment to advance the gospel He said, you're going to silence me chain me to the wall well i'm going to i'm going to convert your guards i'm going to tell everyone in the prison about jesus he goes judo on him and we've seen this all throughout history if you if you look at governments that have intentionally set out to squash christianity it flourishes i'm thinking of communist china set out. We want to rub out Christians from our entire country. And it actually served to be its, it, a flourishing thing because they went underground and they had to really rely on the Lord and pursue community. Now, you might be facing something that's really big and really scary, really much stronger than you, and you're staring this challenging circumstance in the face, and you're like, I'm going to get squashed. This thing is squashing me. It feels like it's ruining my life. And what the passage this morning is doing, it's inviting you to partner with the Holy Spirit and go judo. Go judo on your challenging circumstance and begin to view your challenging circumstance with gospel intentionality. What Paul is showing us is that God can use Anything. To advance the gospel. And when we give ourselves to the advancement of the gospel, we're invincible. We become used by God no matter what happens. And so that's the first point. God uses oppressive authorities to advance the gospel. But also, God uses bad motives to advance the gospel. Look at verse 15. Paul says, And in that I rejoice. What Paul is helping us see here is he's saying, hey, I'm put in prison, and my imprisonment has actually produced more preaching of the gospel. People are emboldened to preach Jesus. But what he draws our attention to is actually there are some mixed motives. Some are doing it out of love and goodwill. Some are doing it for the right motives, but then others are actually doing it for bad motives. But you know what? At the end of the day, Christ is proclaimed, and I'm going to rejoice in that. Now, we don't really know who this group is that Paul is referring to, um, and it's kind of strange that they can preach the same gospel that Paul is preaching. They can preach Jesus, and somehow inflict pain on Paul. We don't, we don't fully know what's, what's happening there. But probably what's, what's going on is there's some kind of personal agenda, personal competition. And these, these guys are preaching out of selfish ambition. Maybe, hey, look, Paul's sidelined. Let's start preaching more. Get a bigger church. So when he gets out, he's like, oh, man, I missed my shot. But it, it doesn't matter because we, we don't really need to know the identity of this group to understand what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is that God is powerful enough to use bad motives to advance the gospel. And this is good news for us because truth be told, we don't always have the best motives in our ministry. But God is powerful enough to use Bad Motives to Advance the Gospel. At uh, the beginning of the 16th century, there were two artists that were really well-known, uh, Michelangelo and Raphael. And they're known for some of their beautiful artwork at the Vatican in Rome. And it was well-known that these two had a bitter rivalry against one another. They, they, they had this rivalry they were trying to compete with one another, yet their work was for the glory of God. So they had bad motives motivating their work, and yet they produce this beautiful artwork. That's what Paul's saying here, is that, hey, these guys have bad motives, but God is still using their ministry to advance the gospel. And I think, I think it's, this is a good place for us as god's people to check ourselves to check our motives in ministry in an age of celebrity pastors and trendy churches it's a this is an opportunity for us to pause and reflect why are we engaging ministry why are we sharing jesus with our neighbors Why are we leading music on Sunday mornings? Why are we engaging in community group? Is it out of love and goodwill? Or is it to be known as the Bible expert? Why do you share things in community group? Is it because you genuinely want to be a blessing and want to help the people in your group? Or is it to sound really cool? Or to be more gospel-centered? Than the next guy. My pastor in Dallas before I left, he he sat me down and he he shared a few things, uh, kind of informal, and one thing he said just really my the first two years I was in ministry just like echoed in my head. But he said this. He said, John, don't try to be cool. Just be faithful. And he went on to tell me, he said, My fear is that we've created a culture of cool in the church. And the implication is that we do ministry to be the cool ministry. Just be faithful, just give yourself to love and goodwill. And so I think, I think this is such a helpful thing for God's people to check, to say, hey, why, why am I doing this? Is this to promote myself? Am I serving the poor so I can look better so my neighbors know I'm a Christian? Or am I serving the poor because I really love the poor and want to give my time, energy, and money to the poor because I know that God is near to the poor, that God wants his people with the poor. But praise God, good or bad motives, he's going to use it for his glory. Praise God that he uses oppressive authorities to advance the gospel. Now, I told you a little bit about my brother's story um, My brother Sam and his wife Rachel, they lost a son at 26 weeks. His name was Levi. And I was thinking yesterday, as I was reflecting on a year ago, just so struck by the way God used this to advance the gospel. They posted on social media and were very honest with the heartache and the pain, but they did so in a way that displayed hope. They had a memorial service in downtown Chicago at their church and it it was one of those moments where you like feel the Lord meeting with you. And it was just it was beautiful. They had poems that they wrote to Levi and we sang. And I remember as we sang I kept thinking this is so strange. It's weird that we would be facing maybe the darkest thing my brother has ever been through and we're singing. And probably what many people were thinking when Paul was in prison singing and they're looking at Paul and they're like, dude, you're in prison. You're chained to a wall. What are you doing singing hymns? Because my brother and my sister-in-law and Paul have been captured by something greater than themselves. They've been captured by the gospel. And God uses challenging, devastating circumstances to advance the gospel. Many of my family members were at that memorial service and who don't know Jesus, and they they would come up and they're speechless. We don't don't know how to describe what happened. What is this? My brother-in-law, he, I remember him telling me weeks later, he was like, I have no idea how they are still living their lives. I would be completely undone. Jesus must really mean something. God uses challenging circumstances, sometimes the most challenging circumstances. He uses them to advance the gospel. And so I don't know, what what does it look like for you in your challenging circumstance? How can we really put on the mindset of Philippians 1, 12 to 18? How can we begin to engage our challenging circumstances with gospel intentionality? Let's Let's just think for a moment and try and press this passage into our hearts. So maybe it's a work a challenging work environment for you. Maybe you have a coworker that's going around and just spreading lies about you, destroying your reputation. I think, I mean, we can all agree the default would probably be like, Yeah, you said that about me? I'm going to say this about you. Boom. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to attack or go on this campaign to try and repair my reputation. But what would it look like if we put on this mindset as we engage that kind of challenge and kind of situation? Well, you might, for a Christian who is secure in their identity in Jesus, you might say, hey, this is really terrible, and I'm struggling. But you know what? I'm okay. Okay. Because Jesus has has me. He has given me a new identity as a son or a daughter. So I don't need to fire back. I don't need to try and repair my, my image at work. And who knows, maybe this would provide a platform. Maybe you would find new access to people that you never thought you would have access to. And you meet someone, and they end up saying, hey, you know what? you're nothing like what so-and-so said you were like. You're really kind and you're really patient. Oh, Platform for the gospel, right there. Hey, you know what? I it's, it's actually hard when that person says that. But I am so rooted in Jesus. Jesus has totally transformed my life that I'm just trying to serve him and love people better. Maybe it's, a family challenge. Maybe it's a tough marriage that you're working through, and it feels like you take one step forward, nine steps back. Every conversation you have is hard. And the temptation is to think, what's the point? I'm exhausted. There's no meaning and purpose in this. Well, a mindset Philippians 1, 12 to 18 would say, hey, how can I use this challenging situation to advance the gospel? And when we come to it with that kind of intentionality, you guarantee that you're going to get helped. Something's going to happen and change in you that you're going to endure. You're going to persevere and say, hey, you know, this is hard and I'm struggling, but God can use this for his glory, so I'm going I'm to engage to engage." I'm going to endure. I'm going to persevere. And you know what? Maybe this would offer a platform for your neighbor. And they come to you and they say, hey, I'm really struggling in my marriage. And you say, hey, you know what? I've, we're actually struggling with the same thing. And Jesus has really helped us. And let me tell you a little bit about how Jesus has helped us get through this really hard thing. What would it look like if we were a people that viewed challenging circumstances, that viewed trials, that viewed dark moments with gospel intentionality, that would be pretty awesome. It would be beautiful. And it would advance the gospel because the reality is this is God's bread and butter. This is his sweet spot. So when the chips are down, When it's the darkest, he shines brightest. Let's pray.